difference. So that'll preach, am I right? But this is, th that's Mount Sinai or Mount Horeb, and we're going to be reading about this in a little bit. But this is the Sinai Desert. This is, this is what, when they talk about the desert, this is what it would have looked like. Okay, it would have been hot, just dry, and, and not a very comfortable place to be. Okay? And so, maybe you're looking at this desert, and maybe, maybe you were able to associate, associate challenging times um, of, in your life with this place. We can, we can stop it now, although the, goat, the sheep, sheep are cute, right? For all of you that missed seeing those at the fair this year, there you go. You got, you got your fill of, fill of sheep without the smell. <laughs> Am I right? Okay. So, maybe you were able to uh, associate some of the challenging times in your life um, with, with, with that place. Because the desert, the desert is not a comfortable place to be, right? It can be debilitating. It can be scary because it can feel like there is no way out. When every sandy hill looks like every other sandy hill, we're left frustrated, tired, and alone, okay? And so, and, and, and so the deserts that we experience in our lives, the times of hardship in our lives, well, they aren't a very comfortable place either. And sometimes we find ourselves ushered into a desert-like experience, and maybe because it's, a, it's, it's because of a poor choice that we have made in our life, or other times, I think more often, we are ushered into the desert because life happens. Because life happens. We lose our job, we get sick, we experience a heartbreak, the loss of a loved one, there's a natural disaster, or maybe even a pandemic, right? And then all of a sudden, we find ourselves navigating this, this desert landscape, frustrated, tired, and alone. And because we don't know how long we are going to be there, like, please God, not 40 years, right? Because we don't know how long we are going to be here, how we navigate the desert becomes really important. So I invite you guys to open your Bibles or turn one on, if that's how you want to do it. But I invite you to open your Bibles with me, and we're going to go to 1 Kings 19. And so here we have, we have the prophet of Elijah, and, the, and Elijah has just defeated the Baal prophets um, and has brought lane, uh, rain to the land, just like God had promised. Okay, and so this is, this is something that Elijah was fulfilling uh, by faith in God. And the queen at the time, Queen Jezebel, was ticked. She favored the Baal prophets because they told her what she wanted to hear, and Elijah didn't. So Jezebel, Queen Jezebel, she's ticked. She's like, Elijah, I'm going to put a, you're dead, right? Like, I'm coming after you. She put a hit on him, and she's like, you're, you're going to, you should run. You should be afraid, okay? She wants him dead. So afraid and running for his life, Elijah goes into the desert. He goes into the desert because he's experiencing a desert in his life, right? Because things took a turn for the worse, and Elijah is alone, running for his life, uncertain of his future. Elijah is in a desert, literally and figuratively. But while Elijah is in the, in the desert, he has some choice words for God. So he says this in verse, um, verse 4. He says, I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take 
my life, I am no better than my ancestors. He later says in verse 10, he says, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have, have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and your, put your prophets to death by the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. You see, when we are in the desert, we are at our most vulnerable. Oftentimes, we're frustrated with the way that things are going. We're tired. We're run down. And like Elijah, so often we feel like we are the only one. So why, why do we often find God's people in the desert, literally and figuratively. Because it's starting to look like the desert is a place where people go to die. I want to teach you guys a little bit about the desert. The word most commonly used for desert <clears throat> in the Hebrew scriptures is midbar. Say that with me. Midbar. Midbar. Yeah, that is the word most commonly used for desert. And Midbar in the Torah, which is the Torah is the first five books of the Bible, right? So Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. You guys went to church camp. You guys went to church camp. And Deuteronomy. Yeah, so often, that's the Torah. So often, um, ref the Midbar is often referred to this place as a, as a place in between Egypt and the promised land. The promised land. Because what do you find, like if you look at a map, if, if you're looking at a, maybe some of, some of you might not know this, all right? I didn't know this before. Actually, I did. But some of you might be geographically challenged, all right? So what do you look, if you're looking at Egypt and then you're looking at the promised land, what is in between those? The desert. Midbar. Nice. See, you, learn, you guys are quick learners. I like it. Okay? The desert. Midbar. <clears throat> right? And so... But figuratively, Midbar, Midbar is the place between trouble, slavery, bondage, trouble, and a place flowing with milk and honey. Between where you are and where God wants to take you, Midbar. And this is, this is really interesting because... Because now the, the word midbar, <clears throat> the word midbar means the desert or the wilderness. But what's interesting about this is the root word, the root word of midbar is the word davar. Davar, say that with me, davar. And davar means to speak. Davar means to speak. Are you guys hearing me? God's people, why are God's people, why do we find them so often in the desert? Because it is in the desert where God speaks. It is in the desert where God speaks. If we can recognize that the desert, through scary, even though it's scary times and times are uncertain, it is a place of in-between, it is a place of discovery and growth, a place where God speaks, then every step will determine where we end up 
Every step will determine where we end up. But here's the thing. People don't survive. People do not survive deserts on their own. So I'm going to flash back here. We just talked about Elijah for a hot second. Okay, so we're going to flash back, flash back 600 years before Elijah's chilling in a cave in Mount Horeb. Okay? And we are going to talk about a guy named Moses. Um, now Moses is leading his flock um, on, in the East Sinai Desert. And he, he's, it's around Mount Horeb, the very same mountain that Elijah's chilling in, right? And he sees this burning bush. Weird Bible stuff, right? He sees this burning bush. Even weirder, this burning bush speaks to him. And so this burning bush calls out to Moses, says, Moses, Moses. Maybe it wasn't like that. I don't know. I'm not God. I wasn't there at the time. Okay, but Moses, Moses, that's what we read. <laughs> this part always cracks me up. Okay, so if I go, this is Exodus 3. Okay, this is Exodus 3, if you don't know. And Moses, Moses, and Moses said, here I am. I just kind of, here I am. <laughs> it's me, Moses. Okay, I'm, sorry, that makes me laugh. I read stuff like this, and I try to put myself in that situation, and that's probably how I would respond. So Moses is like, here I am. And then God goes on and, and commissions Moses to free God's people from slavery in Egypt. And, and here's where I want to dial in. Because in Exodus verse 11, Moses replies to God after he hears this. And he goes, he, who, who am I? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And then God replies to Moses by completely ignoring his question. And, he, and God says, I will be with you. So Moses is objecting. Who am I? Who am I? First of all, God, I've been to Egypt. I do not want to go back. Second of all, you guys have seen the movie, right? Prince of Egypt, you've seen that? Okay, fairly accurate, right? So he's like, I don't really want to go back. Second of all, I'm not the greatest communicator. Like, I'm not qualified for this. I'm not your guy. Surely, God, I am not your guy. Like, who am I? And God responds to Moses, and he says, Moses, it doesn't really matter who you are. What matters is who I am, and I am with you. And I am with you. And I want to I pause here, okay, because I want to look at something that's really important and actually really powerful for us to begin to understand um, what God is doing here. Okay, so Blair, in, in a, couple, a series ago, the Songs of Summer, Blair uh, actually taught us God's name. Does anyone remember God's name? Say it out loud. Yahweh. Nice. Wow, you guys are nailing it this morning. This is a good Sunday morning. Okay, Yahweh. Now, I want to teach you, I want to teach you the word. So that's God's name, Yahweh. That's what he tells Moses uh, later on here. But, I, but before we get there, I, I want to I teach you what God says when he says, I will be with you. Okay? So the words for I will be, all right? It's a very, in Hebrew, it's a very, it's a very breathy word, and I'm going to have you guys say it with me this morning as well. And that word is echwe. Echwe. Okay, say it with me. Ready? Echwe. Like you get a little like a phlegm in the back of your, you know, echwe. Okay? All right? So, echwe. God says to Moses, I will be, echwe, imach, with you. Now, I will be. That, it, future tense, right? So, so is God, 
So is God saying, okay, Moses, like give me seven minutes and, and then I'm going to be, I'm going to be with you. Is, is that what God's saying here to Moses? No, he, he, he's not. Okay. It means I am and will be forever with you, Moses. Echwe. And that's why some of your translations even have there, I will, not, not I will be, but I am. I am with you, Moses. So back to the story, Moses is like, but who am I, God? And God replies, Echwe imach. And he says, and this will be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship on this mountain. And so Moses, still looking for a way out, because he, he doesn't, he's uncomfortable. He does not want to do this, guys. He doesn't believe he's qualified. So he's looking for a way out, and Moses replies, and he says, he says, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, well, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? And so in verse 14, God replies to Moses, and he says, Echwe isher echwe. I will be what I will be. And that's what we read here. Or, because it's not, because the translations say, I am what I am, that's, it's, it's the same thing. I will be, and I am, and forever will be, what I am and forever will be. Right? Make sense? Okay. Good. So God replies with this. And he says, he says, this is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. And he, he, go, he goes on and, and he actually rephrases this. And it says the Lord. And anytime you see the Lord in all caps, that's the word. That's God's name. Yahweh. And what's interesting about that word is, is when God tells Moses, this is what you are to say to the Israelites. You are to say Yahweh. It's because the difference between Yah and Ech is he and I. Because it wouldn't be right for Moses to go and tell, tell the Israelites, Echwe, Imach, I am with you, because I am would be bad grammar. No, he is with you. God is with you. So Yahweh, Yahweh is with you. And you guys are like, why are you talking, why, why is this something we're talking about? Because, because maybe some of you have heard that before, and you're, and you're like, oh, okay, you're reading this, and, and you get to that part where God says to Moses, I am who I am. That's cool. I, that's, that sounds that's kind of, that should be a song or something like that, you know. And you're like, I am. Okay, okay. So I'm going to keep reading, right? But this is actually a really important part of Scripture for us to understand. And I want to stop here because this is actually deeply. God is telling us something that is a deeply personal character statement about Himself, about who God is, because God is who He is. Meaning, whatever character statement God uses to define Himself. God is that. God is love? Yes. God is the perfect embodiment of sacrificial love that you will ever experience. God is merciful? Yes. God is the perfect embodiment of the most consistent, reliable mercy you will ever experience. God is just, therefore he is the very definition of perfect, beautiful justice. That is what God is getting at here. Whatever character trait God has, he is that. He defines that with his very being. He is what he is. So what is the very first thing Yahweh says that he is to Moses, even before he tells him his name? Exodus 3.12, and God said, I will be with you. 
I think all too often I forget this. All too often when things get difficult in my own life and I find myself in the middle of a desert, uncomfortable and alone, and I cry out to God and I say, God, where are you? Do you not see where I'm at? Do you not see what's going on in my life? Because in the desert, we may feel alone. We may feel that that life that we've just become isolated and we're afraid and that life is just, is, is just too difficult, like Elijah crying out to God. Because it's like sometimes we have this misconception that if God is in something, it is going to be easy. But God didn't say to Moses, this is going to be easy, Moses. No, he said, I am with you. Echwe imach. I'm with you. Our comfort Our comfort is not God's main concern. Our growth is. And so when you're in Midbar, when you're in Midbar, it is a time of discovery and growth. Because the truth is, you are never alone. Don't forget his name. We cannot survive the desert alone. Going back to Elijah, I am the only one left, right? That's what Elijah says. I'm the only one left. He's feeling alone. He's crying out to God on that very same mountain in the desert that God spoke to Moses. I'm with you. God speaks to Elijah. And he says this in verse um, 18. He says, yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel. He says other things, but he finishes it with this. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel. All whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. God says to Elijah, I know that you are feeling isolated and alone, but I need you to understand, Elijah, that you are not alone. He wants you guys to understand that you are not alone. I'm with you. And there are 7,000 others. And I find that really interesting that God says there are others because we need each other, you guys. We need each other. So I don't know where you find yourself today. Maybe, maybe you're in the desert. Maybe you're coming out of Egypt this morning. And you find yourself in this moment. I don't know where you're at, but here are two things. Here are two things I hope, I hope and pray you'll remember when you find yourself in Midbar. The first one is to tell someone. Because people do not survive deserts on their own. You've got God, and you've got others. Okay? And, and, and this is important to know because, because if, I, I want you guys, if, if you're in this room and you've never made a commitment to God, let me say this. Let me say this to you. Consider it today. Consider that today because people, us, you and me, we aren't always who we say we are. For those of you who are married in the room, like you guys are like, yeah, that's like, we're not, he's not, person I'm closest with is not always who he says he is or who she says he is. Like we know this. Some of us know this intimately. But God, God 
he is what he is. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He is love. He is mercy. He is grace. He is justice. And he is with you, friends. And following him will be the best choice that you've ever made and could ever make. So I say make that commitment to God, talk to God, but also tell someone. Tell someone, because the desert will destroy you on your own. If you are on your own, the desert will destroy you. Kind of like what Mitchell talked about last week. The lion, the enemy, is looking to prey on the isolated. Do not be alone, because you're not alone. And, 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 and it goes like this. It's not that you need to tell people. It's just that you need to tell the right people. Okay, the right people need to know what you're going through. And the second one is this. I'd encourage you guys, especially in a time right now, to listen. Because God speaks in the desert. But to listen. It might not be through a burning bush, or it will be for you. It might not be a still, small voice like Elijah, or it will be for you. That doesn't matter how God speaks. What does matter is that you make time to listen. Make time to listen. Because I don't know about you guys, but when I get thrown into the desert, oftentimes I don't want to, I just find me some mindless thing to do so I don't have to think about the chaos that is in my life right now. I want to escape from this. So sometimes the last thing I want to do is make, is pause make time in my busy schedule that I just keep trying to fill up because I want to avoid everything that is is in my life. And so the last thing I want to do is pause and listen to God. But it is hard to hear God, guys, when you are not listening. So take time. Listen. Especially when you find yourself in Midbar, in the desert. Because God does not want you to stay there, friends. He has a plan and a purpose for you. Amen? Amen. So be it, right? Amen. Okay. It's, it's the truth. So I'm, I'm going to pray. And as the band comes up, um, yeah, I'm going to pray. God, I, I thank you again for this time. But God, I also just want to specifically thank you for the midbar. Because some of us might be in the desert right now. And we haven't told anyone. Whether it's our own choices. Or just that life happens. We find ourselves traversing the desert. God, I guess I just, I'm just praying this morning that as we're moving through and navigating Midbar, that we remember we are not alone. God, that you say you are with us and that you are always with us. Before you told us your name, you were with us. I know it can be hard to feel that sometimes. 
God, you are there, and you are right alongside us, and you are mourning and growing with us in your spirit, because you don't love the way this world looks. In fact, you asked us to pray, God, you asked us to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, as we, as we navigate this desert, let us remember that we need to bring your kingdom to the Midbar. And so, as we're praying to you, as we're talking to the right people about what we're going through, God, I, I just, I pray that you give us the strength or you just give us the time to listen. Help us make time to listen to you and what you have to say to us. It might be the words of a friend. It might be a burning bush or a dream. But God, you want to speak to us in this moment. So God, I pray, I pray for the people in this room. I pray for the ones watching online and for the ones that will hear this message at some time. I just pray that this is a message that, that, Lord, that you will speak through and that you will use and that people will come to you through it. God, we come to you. Thank you for this time, for this morning. We praise you. Amen.